Well, I hope everybody's doing well. Welcome back into the Y'all program as we broadcast to you a message all about what's going on across the southeast of the United States as we enter a full week now of the month of November. And we got Thanksgiving just about two weeks away. Man, times are flying. So why not sit back and let it slow down a bit with a program that's all about a portion of the country that's a little bit slower compared to others, the American South. John Rawl, the slow-talking Southerner himself, here in the Y'all Show air chair. Great to be back with you. I hope you all had a a nice weekend. I know I had a a nice relaxing weekend, something that was well due for your boy. But hopefully you all got lots of done, lots of things done. Maybe you were out raking leaves in your yard. Oh my goodness, have some of the trees really come down this year across Dixie? We will uh will hopefully be a nice remedy here as you get your week up and going on the y'all show. We also have plenty of southern conversation that we we're going to get to on this Monday edition of the Y'all Show. We've got to look back at some of the headlines of the weekend from both a political perspective as well as what's going on in a cultural perspective. And and i got to tell you right now, this headlines that we're going to be walking through today, when you can mix in headlines that include info on Dolly Parton and then all the other things going on, then you know you got a busy Y'all Show ahead of you, as we do here on the program that shakes up things across the Southeast. You know, it's a great thing to be here, and I hope you all, again, as I echoed a moment ago, had a wonderful weekend. I know that it's going to be a a challenge here, is you've got a couple of weeks of you, probably most of you working the next two weeks, and then you'll be off in those days leading up to Thanksgiving of 2023. And we've got to remember that Thanksgiving this year is not the very last couple of days of November there's actually going to be that whole – there's a – where is my calendar here? We've got a couple of days following Thanksgiving that still are going to be in November because this year Thanksgiving is going to be on the 23rd. So we have almost a whole full week after Thanksgiving of November before we turn the calendar over to December 1st, which is going to fall on a Friday this year, Friday, December 1st. But – uh Black Friday would be, I guess, December, or rather November 24th. So got a lot of fun stuff coming up here, y'all. We just want to make sure that you are aware and we're doing our part. Speaking of calendars and things like that, don't forget that over the weekend, if you haven't done this yet, time changed. And so if you have any kind of manual clock that you haven't changed back yet, you might want to go ahead and take care of business because we did have a time change. And boy, I don't know about you, but I kind of struggled on Sunday with that time change, not because I got tired. It's just so weird having the sun go down so dang early. And I don't know if Congress is ever going to fix that thing where they have a, a, a elimination of the daylight time and the savings time. We just have one time period going forward. In fact, I was out eating Saturday evening and a very friendly waitress was telling me, Hey, don't forget time to change your clock back. And I just told her, I said, I'm not going to change this year. I'm just going to, be i guess i would be an hour ahead by not falling back but uh you know if i did that i'd kind of look like a fool in a lot of cases and that would mean things like maybe having to get up an hour earlier than i'm supposed to and that ain't gonna happen okay that's not gonna happen (laughs) so hopefully you all have done well now what's coming up on this monday edition of our program where we cover all things southern we do have those 
headlines across the southeast that we'll be covering here in a moment and included in those headlines today. A recall of 30 pounds of chicken nuggets from Tyson. Where Where is that located? Is that affecting you? I'll give you the latest on that. Also in our headlines across the southeast today, we're going to tell you all about how the Supreme Court is about to rule on a ban on rapid-fire gun bump stocks. That's an important thing for all of you who have maybe some of these very important uh, weapons if you like to use the AR-15s, etc. Some political news from the weekend. The governor of Iowa is throwing her hat behind Ron DeSantis. She's throwing the DeSantis cap on and maybe the DeSantis heels or boots or whatever that he has to use to elevate himself. We'll talk about Reynolds's decision, the governor of, of Iowa here in our headlines. A deadly crash in Maryland has killed four. We'll give you that information. Also in our headlines across Dixie today, we'll let you know about how Josh Dobbs, the former Tennessee Vols quarterback, and was most recently quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, a heroic job Sunday in the NFL by this Alpharetta Georgia native. He did not have a single practice snap after being traded to the Minnesota Vikings or picked up by the Vikings. And my goodness, Josh Dobbs goes in and leads the Vikings to a big victory Sunday in NFL action. I'm, I'm going to tell you more about this very, very uh, a feel-good story for the week for sure. Also, another Southern feel-good story. Atlanta Hawk superstar Trey Young honored Sunday in his hometown of Norman, Oklahoma. I'll give you some info on Trey Young, very talented sooner-turned-Atlanta Hawk. All that news coming up today in our headlines. Plus, we've got big news out of East Tennessee. Dolly Parton has opened Heart Song Lodge at Dollywood. What is that all about? We'll give you the latest on that. And if time permits today... We're going to tell you about the Florida Man Games. That's right. They have created a sort of Olympics for Florida men, the kind of idiots that show up in the headlines on this program and other programs on a fairly regular basis. (laughs) We'll tell you more. Where's Jeff Foxworthy when you need him? (laughs) All those headlines will be given to you today. Also, in this opening hour of the Y'all Show, we've got a look at hashtag hullabaloo, and we're going to have some fun with that as we tell you about all the goings-on, social media-wise. And we'll do that. Okay, I'm I'm having a problem today. I wore glasses, and my glasses don't often uh, help me out when I'm needing to zoom in closely. So this may, may be the last day I'm wearing the glasses, and I'll go back to my contacts because <laughs> I have a twilight zone. As any of you who may know what I'm talking about, to wear glasses, uh, there's the twilight zone sometimes between – up close and, and, and far away. And right where my keyboard is currently, it's uh, it's in the twilight zone. But we're going to have hashtag hullabaloo coming up today on this first hour of our show all about the South. Also in our show going forward today, want to let you know in hour number two, we're going to have our Southern History Spotlight. And in that spotlight today, we're going to let you know all about the original host of Meet the Press, because it was on this day in history back in 1947 that the NBC News Magazine show Meet the Press made its debut, and it had a Southerner in the host chair. And if you don't know who that host was, you're going to be quite surprised. So we got that coming up in our headlines today, as well as some other fun things from the world of social media that we'll be getting to as part of our Southern history. 
Also, want to let you know in our second hour, we're going to be talking some food, and we got pickles on our mind. I've done some heavy-duty research on pickles for this segment, and I'm going to tell you about some of the leading pickle companies of the Southeast, companies that you can go after listening to this segment and order up supplies of pickles just in time for the holidays. From Wickles Pickles to the Carolina Pickle Company and more, I'm going to give you some great pickle companies and some of their creative pickle options. It's all about food. It's our Southern food for thought. It's coming to you in hour number two. And in our final hour today, we will have, as part of the fun, a quick look at Southern culture. And for this, I have found over the weekend, I stumbled on an interview that Pierce Morgan did. You might remember Pierce from being on CNN. He also was part of the Trump, uh, the apprentice program. He won that over Trace Atkins, still kind of mad about that personally. But Pierce is a heck of an interviewer. And he sat down here in the last couple of days with Priscilla Presley. And I was fascinated by this interview. And so I'm going to let you hear a portion of it as Priscilla was about as personal as you could get and as about as, as about as real as you could get. Now, she just had the brand-new movie debut called Priscilla that came out in theaters over the weekend, and that one seems like a must-see, t- must-see movie if you are into Elvis or anything to do with Priscilla, and and Priscilla gives it a thumbs up. She, she says it's pretty accurate. So that, that means a lot to me. I think she had a hand in making it, but still quite a uh, quite a – Quite an accolade coming from Priscilla. So we'll have a a little interview that Pierce did with Priscilla Presley. We'll play some of that in our final hour of the Y'all Show. Plus, I'm giving you a kind of glimpse of what to expect on the Y'all Show going forward the rest of the week. To get involved with our program all about the South, it's pretty easy to do that. You can email us, M-A-I-L, mail, at Y-A-L-L.com. Or you're welcome to text us here at the program All About the South as we have a a really cool text line available. And that text line is 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. All right, let's dive into some of the news headlines of the day and the big story from a consumer standpoint to let you know. Tyson, with its roots in Arkansas, unfortunately has had to put out a recall and we wanted to let you know about that in case you've recently bought some of their chicken nuggets at the grocery store. Well, you might want to pay close attention to what we're about to tell you because this could affect your recent purchase. So if you have your receipt, you may want to keep that handy right now. But Tyson recalling nearly 30 pounds, rather, rather 30,000 pounds of breaded chicken, what they call fun nuggets, after consumers complained of finding metal pieces and the dinosaur-shaped chicken patties. The nuggets sold in 29-ounce bags produced September 5th at the Berryville, Arkansas Company. Tyson informed the USDA, their Food Safety and Inspection Service, and said it recalled the nuggets voluntarily out of an abundance of caution. The nuggets subject to the recall carry the number P7211 on the back of the package. Again, that number is P7211 on the back of the package. And these packages ship to distributors in Alabama, California, Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, and Wisconsin, and then passed on to retailers. So I would say this is probably nationwide. You need to be advised. The USDA urged customers with the nuggets 
in their freezers to throw them out or return them to the place of purchase. But again, it looks like it's this is a 29-ounce bag of what they call fun nuggets, chicken nuggets in a dinosaur-shaped deal specifically targeting kids. And there is a recall on nearly 30,000 pounds of these breaded chicken fun nuggets. Keep your receipt or just take them in. I'm sure most people are not going to complain. You don't want to have kids eating chicken tenders with metallic pieces inside of them. The United States Supreme Court agreed Friday to decide whether a Trump-era ban on bump stocks, those are those gun attachments that allow semi-automatic weapons to fire rapidly like machine guns, and the Supreme Court agreeing to decide whether these bump stocks violate federal law. The justices will start hearing arguments over the next year over a regulation put in place by the Justice Department after the Las Vegas mass shooting of 2017 and federal appeals courts have come to different decisions about whether the regulation defining a bump stock as a machine gun comports with federal law. As the Dutch, the Supreme Court justices now will review the Biden administration's appeal of a ruling by the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans that invalidated the ban. So again, bump stocks back under examination, and we'll find out if indeed there is some kind of more formal decision on this. Of course, back in 2019, that awful shooting at Las Vegas, the Route 51 or 91 or 81 festival, and unfortunately at that event, a man comes out, a retired Postal Service worker comes out with an assault-style rifle with that bump stock and fires more than 1,000 rounds in 11 minutes in the cr- into the crowd of 22,000 people and 58 people were killed in that country music festival back in Vegas. Just a horrible incident, and it led to some changes, but now the Supreme Court looking to maybe make a change permanently going forward with bump stocks. Some political news over the weekend. The governor of Iowa, Republican Governor Kim Reynolds, she has now pledged her support for 2024 to Ron DeSantis, her fellow governor, as she gave him a little bit of a boost in Iowa which will be the first in the country to have a caucus and determine where their numbers are going to go in support of the Republican nominee for president in 2024. But Kim Reynolds now putting her faith behind Ron DeSantis as Ron DeSantis has a very uphill climb to catch up with president Trump. But Reynolds surprising me, I'm sure Nikki Haley would have loved to have gotten her support. But instead, it goes to Ron DeSantis. She actually had introduced Trump at an event earlier this year, but Trump has accused her of disloyalty for weighing in on an endorsement before the caucuses and tried to take credit for her winning her governorship, which I think he did have a role in that. I remember her running for governor, Kim Reynolds of Iowa. But some political news making headlines here over the weekend. We've got more news headlines that we're going to jump onto as we continue on with this Monday edition of the Y'all Show. And again, we encourage you, if you have anything Y'all-related, questions, comments, hey, you can reach us on that email address 24-7. It's M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. We'll be right back. Hang on.
damn sure wanna be Working like a dog all day ain't working for me I wish I had a rich uncle that'd kick the bucket And I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett I know everybody says Money can't buy happiness But it can buy me a boat It can buy me a truck to pull it It can buy me a Yeti 110 ice down with some silver bullets Yeah, and I know what they say Money can't buy everything Well, maybe so But it can buy me a boat They call me redneck, white trash, and blue collar But I could change all that if I had a couple million dollars I keep hearing that money is the root of all evil And you can't fit a camel through the eye of a needle I'm sure that's probably true But it still sounds pretty cool Cause it could buy me a boat It could buy me a truck to pull It can buy me a Yeti 110 ice down with some silver bullets Yeah, and I know what they say Money can't buy everything Well, maybe so that's right, Chris Jansen. Money can help solve a lot of problems. If you don't believe me, just go ask. Uh, well, you know, you don't have to ask. Just just trust me on this one. We're back here on the Y'all Show, keeping you up to date with all the goings on of the South and beyond. And we've got some Dolly Parton news. Speaking of Chris Jansen, we've got some Dolly Parton news we're going to get to in our headlines today. She was at Dollywood. Over the last couple of days, opening up a pretty neat little venue inside her theme park. I'll tell you exactly what that is as we have those headlines uh, coming up on this program all about the Southeast. Picking up our headlines over the weekend. Unfortunately, we lost four people in the state of Maryland after they died in a three-vehicle crash. It happened Saturday in Carroll County. All of the victims were from New Windsor, Maryland. Police say the vehicle was hit from behind at an intersection while trying to make a left turn, and then it was struck by a third vehicle. Among the passengers killed, a 72-year-old man, the driver, Charles Black III, as well as passengers, 69-year-old Barbara Black and 63-year-old Debbie Hill. More passengers ended up being flown to Baltimore, where one would later die. Investigators say they don't believe impaired driving was a factor in the case. The case remains under investigation, but a deadly weekend on the roads in the state of Maryland. Also in our capital region, an off-duty U.S. Park police officer now facing charges and the shooting death of another officer in McLean, Virginia. This happened on Sunday after receiving a phone report of an unintentional shooting Officers responded to the 1700 block of Old Meadow Road in Fairfax County early on Sunday. On the scene, officers found the body of a 22-year-old Jesse Brown Hernandez who had suffered a gunshot wound to the upper body, and police said alcohol may have been a factor when the 25-year-old Alexander Roy of McLean, Virginia, reportedly shot Hernandez with a firearm he believed was unloaded Three of the four individuals in the apartment during the shooting were off-duty U.S. Park police officers. And now 
Roy has been charged with involuntary manslaughter and is being held with no bond. Again, a unfortunate incident with the United States Park Police with one of their own being killed and it looks like one of their own under arrest for that. Elsewhere in our study, our, our, our schools, in our, I, I get, I sound like I'm drunk, okay? You know why? Because I'm telling you here in this story about drinking on college campuses, specifically on college game day, as a new study has come out that has found that 55 of 69 schools in major college football now sell alcohol at the stadium on game day. I remember about five years ago when this got changed and schools started being allowed to sell alcohol on game days in the stadium. I mean, they've been doing this in NFL sports and professional sports forever. But for colleges to engage in selling beer was quite a change. But now big, big numbers coming in, according to a survey from the Associated Press of Power Five Conference Schools of the Power Five, that includes Notre Dame too, about 80% of the colleges, 55 of 69, now sell alcohol in the public areas of their stadiums on game days. Of the remaining schools, some sell alcoholic drinks in non-public areas of the venue, such as in suites, and some don't sell booze at all. I wonder who that is. Some of you may not want to be going to a college game in one of those booze-free stadiums. (laughs) Uh, One of them is Wisconsin. And Wisconsin, maybe this explains why they're kind of having a down year. Whiskey, one of the institutions that does not sell alcohol to the general public at football games, but it's going to start selling booze at basketball and hockey games later this year. Okay, so I guess they're they're learning uh, their lesson there at Camp Randall Stadium. Now, alcohol had been sold in football stadiums in various ways for years, but the number of schools willing to do it picked up dramatically just a few years ago. And now 80%, it looks like, selling booze. I don't know if they sell cocktails, but they sell beer in most cases. That'd be hard to do, to have a bartender with 100 people waiting in line in a football game with the uh, bartender making all kind of fruity concoctions. Now, they may do that in the suites, but I bet you out in the concourses and more, it's more of a uh, beer thing, unless they've got cocktails to go. And I don't think I've seen that, at least not lately. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, some of you might need a little bit more cocktails going in you than others, depending on how your football season's going. My my favorite team over the weekend, they uh, dropped to 0-9 in college football. So, uh, yeah, not not too good. Not too good. Speaking of football, congratulations to Josh Dobbs, the former Tennessee Vol quarterback, just last Sunday. I think it was on Sunday. I watched Dobbs quarterback the Arizona Cardinals, and they lost there in Glendale. Tough game that he was stepping in to be the quarterback for that franchise. And over the last couple of days, I wasn't even keeping up with the transaction of the NFL. And Josh Dobbs got acquired by the Minnesota Vikings on Tuesday of last week from the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, so... This guy then has to show up in Minnesota, and the Vikings had a game with the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday in Atlanta. So Josh Dobbs goes to the Vikings with a couple of days before the Vikings play, and he had to come in off the bench 
and the game against Atlanta on Sunday, and he came in and played for the Vikings with absolutely zero practice snaps during the week. He had never taken a snap in practice for Minnesota after being picked up by them from the Arizona Cardinals. And he goes in on Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium after Jaron Hall, the rookie starter for the Vikings, suffered a concussion in the first quarter Sunday at Mercedes-Benz. And Dobbs, right there in his home area, he grew up in Alpharetta, he engineered a 31-28 to Vikings victory over the Atlanta Falcons. And again, he did it without ever having a practice snap going into Sunday's game. That's pretty impressive for the quarterback now for the Minnesota Vikings. He's had a checkered story going in the NFL. He's been with a bunch of teams. I'd love to see his helmet collection for this guy who was picked up in the 2017 NFL draft in the fourth round by the Steelers coming out of Tennessee where he played for the Vols starting back in the 2013 season and wrapped up his career in 2016. But very, very feel-good story from the NFL world over the past weekend for Josh Dobbs. Congratulations to you, sir. Sorry, Falcons fans. But Atlanta, lift your head up a little bit because at least in the NBA, you truly have one heck of a rising star. And that rising star Sunday was honored in his hometown of Norman, Oklahoma. Trey Young, who played collegiately for the Sooners before moving on to the NBA. He was a fifth overall pick by the Well, he was picked originally by the Dallas Mavericks and then found a way to get onto Atlanta. I guess there was a trade. But he's been playing with the Atlanta Hawks since the 2018-2019 season. And on Sunday in his native Norman, Oklahoma, a street named there near the Young Family Athletic Center. And that street now is called Trey Young Drive. And Trey Young on hand in Norman, Oklahoma, his hometown, to unveil the sign. So congratulations to this incredibly gifted NBA star who's only 25 years young and is doing a good job again with the Atlanta Hawks. He's been a two-time NBA All-Star and was on the All-Rookie team in 2019 when he was playing for Atlanta. And this Sooner, now in his college town of Norman, can go driving his college and high school as he played in high school, I believe, for one of the Norman schools. Norman North, that's what it was called. That's where he went to high school before moving on down to the university. And now he's moving on down to the Atlanta Hawks, and he's doing quite well. Trey Young, congratulations. By the way, Trey and the Atlanta Hawks have a game in Oklahoma where they'll be taking on the Thunder on this Monday evening. Atlanta still kind of, like most NBA teams, trying to get their engine going for the new season but a great honor for this very talented NBA star, Trey Young. We've got more headlines from across the Southeast that we're going to be getting to as we go forward on this Y'all Show Monday edition. We look forward to carrying all the, the coverage right here with you. When we come back, we're going to scoot over and bring you some of our fun hashtag hullabaloo, some of the social media goings on of the world. We'll have that right after the break. So stay tuned to the show that shakes the South.
spent my whole life running around Settling down I never dreamed I'd be settling down But something's coming over me Woman, you have got a hold on me And the reason just might be You're so good to me Somebody's doing me right Somebody's holding me tight Sharing my days and my nights Somebody I really like Just took a hold of my hand You make me feel like a man There's been a change in my life Somebody's doing me right And we got that in as a request to play a little Keith Whitley from uh, Kentucky Bluebird was the album that that appeared on a posthumous song from the Kentucky singer Keith Whitley as he unfortunately died in 1989 I think that song came out somewhere middle of 1990 well after he had passed away but a uh, a great song I, I think I remember specifically the song that came out right after his death was I wonder do you think of me I believe that's right it's been a few years but I, I I still remember the day that Keith Whitley died, and it was not a good day in country music. We're back here wrapping things up for hour number one of our program about the South, and we call this segment here Hashtag Hullabaloo, where we find things on social media. You know what? We do a we do you a solid. We relay it to you, to I should say, to y'all. And, you know, one of the things that we try to do on this program is be y'all's show. We are the y'all show. But we want to truly be y'all's show. So I, I throw it out there to y'all. What's on y'all's mind? You tell me what y'all want me to cover. I just got the request to play Keith Whitley. Guess what? I just played it. I am an ambassador for all y'all. And it's a great job to have, and I do appreciate it. So let me know. If you've got a question, comment, suggestion, 615 208 4184 is how you can reach us here or email mail mail at yall.com. We'd love to love to get your feedback here as we're available not only on great radio stations, but our podcast form available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, as well as Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts, plus y'all.com to boot. So let's dive into hashtag Hullabaloo today. Each state. According to this website here, bluegazette.com, and on X, they are at gazette underscore blue, as Blue Gazette has quickly risen as a prominent online news platform that provides outstanding and in-depth coverage of public figures, movies, and entertainment. Have you heard of Blue Blue Gazette? BG, the the BGs. Uh, Blue Gazette is, again, this online news platform that caught somebody's attention, and they shared it with us here at the Y'all Show. And, you know, we like to we like to keep y'all posted, too. We want y'all to be the smartest person in the room, if at all possible. Maybe when you go to that Monday night trivia, you'll easily win. I did that one time. I went with a buddy. First time I'd ever done such a thing. I went to one of those trivia contests at a bar, 
And I guess I just know completely crazy knowledge, but we won. And I had a large part to do with that trivia contest and winning. And uh, I don't think I've been back to one. I should have gone. Uh, It was a good time. And I had a nice reward afterwards too. So yes, uh, you can learn a lot here on the show. In fact, I want to thank a recent uh, person that came up to me, recognized my voice, and he said, hey, I really like your show because I learned so much listening to your show. So thank you, Mr. Greg, for saying hello and for listening. And for all of you out there who listen, hopefully we're doing a good job of teaching you some stuff or letting you learn things you, you may not have heard. It may be completely stupid stuff that you'll never, ever want to hear about again. But at least you haven't heard it before, okay? So BlueGazette.com, this online news source, has put up an article that caught our attention. It's the weirdest, most must-have foods you can find in every U.S. state. Things like the ice cream potato. Have you ever had that? That's something you can get in Idaho, for example. How about a pickle dog? A pickle dog is something they evidently serve up big in Minnesota. But we got some southern selections that I'm going to get to in just a few minutes that I think you'll really enjoy hearing all about. For example, we got the fried gator tail. Yeah, gator tail. I guess this would be a Florida delicacy as you can get this fried gator tail. It's got a slight fishy taste, similar to quail, but you can get it chopped into small pieces, then deep fried and served with a dipping sauce. Delicious fried gator tail. One of the weirdest must-have foods that you can find in the state of Florida. Elsewhere, we got really cool options coming in from around the country, so I'm trying to sift through and really showcase our southern choices if we can. Let's see here. We got coolickles. Now, I'm going to tell you a lot about pickles coming up going forward in the show, but coolickles, are you familiar with these? Well, you probably have heard of them if you live in the great state of Mississippi because coolickles are a combination of a pickle that's been sitting there in a big jar of Kool-Aid. It's a colorful treat made by pickling cucumber spears in a jar of Kool-Aid. And they're sold at a lot of convenience stores, mostly in the Mississippi Delta. But yes, coolicles. Some may call them peculas. Peculas. All right. Looks like beets, but it's actually a a pickle that looks red because it's been in red Kool-Aid. And you can find coolicles, again, in the Mississippi Delta specifically. That's pretty unusual. Again, these are some of the weirdest foods found in our various southern states and more. How about coming to you from the state of, I'm having to sift through a bunch of non-southern states here in this article, so bear with me. How about liver mush? Are you familiar with liver mush? It is a dish served in western North Carolina, a combination of pig liver, cornmeal, and seasoning, and it's cut into square loaves and cut into slices, liver mush. Often served alongside eggs and grits for a hearty breakfast. Now, I grew up in a very unusual part of the South, not far from western North Carolina, and we had something called liver nips. My grandmother, one of the handful of things that she could actually make, 
that was edible at least. And she made liver nips. These are called liver. This is liver mush from North Carolina. Might want to check it out sometime. How about this one coming to us from maybe also from North Carolina, the banana and mayo sandwich. Yes. And this is a, they're crediting Alabama for this one. Alabama gets the credit for the weirdest must have food that you could find in different states and or the state of Alabama, not banana and peanut butter, but banana and mayonnaise. And it's a quite a delicacy, the B&M sandwich. And most people get this served on white bread, but whole grain works too if you want some texture to your sandwich. But it is a great way to serve a, a nice little quick meal. And you can use brown bananas since their sweet taste and soft texture works well for the sandwiches. Don't knock it till you tried it. Peanut butter and mayo. Thanks to the state of Alabama. Texas is getting a little jealous here in our breakdown of BlueGazette.com's weirdest must-have foods that you can find in every state. Texas has deep-fried butter. Yes, and that's something you can often get at carnivals and more, but it's made into little balls and cooked on a stick. And it looks like you're walking around with an ice cream bar, but instead it's a breaded stick of butter. Heart attack forthcoming in the state of Texas. I want to let you know about what the good folks in, let's see, which state is this? I'm going to give somebody credit for the Luther burger, the donut burger. Looks delish. I've had a donut burger in Martin, Tennessee, so until somebody tells me otherwise, I'm going to give Tennessee the credit for the donut burger. Looks delicious. You just basically serve a burger, but instead of putting it on a bun, you put it on a on a donut. It's awesome. Yummy. Thank you, Martin, for that incredible experience that I had. Hey, Alabama gets another Another selection here in this thing, white barbecue sauce. And I do give credit to Big Bob Gibson Barbecue in Decatur for, I think, concocting this white barbecue sauce that is awesome on chicken. And I've had it on on uh, pulled pork as well. And it's great. White barbecue sauce direct from the state of Alabama. Louisiana is on here for, because of the po' boy. And a po' boy. It's wonderful. I love a fried seafood, but you can get a roast beef po' boy, crawfish po' boy, crab po' boy, and more. And I think Popeye's serves po' boys now that I think about it, if you have never had one. And it uh, it's a great offering. The po' boy found in the state of Louisiana and in other southern states as well. You can find it too. The Brunswick Stew from Virginia. This is a 19th century Virginian recipe that goes a little different from city to city, but basically it is created by a hearty tomato-based stew. While the stew sounds like a great idea, it's pretty risky to mix together whatever happens to be lying around. But Brunswick Stew, yummy, 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 is a great Virginia food that is available across the country, and you can find it uh, Really, really tasty in places in the Commonwealth of Virginia. South Carolina and Red Eye Gravy have made the list, as this is a great thing that you can find, especially for breakfast places. It is essentially coffee and ham dripping, drippings mixed in together, 
and it is awesome on grits. Red Eye Gravy, especially if you can get some good country ham to go along with it to boot. Elsewhere in the south, we've got one more I'm going to try to throw in here for good measure before we get out of here today, and that comes to us courtesy of the state of, come on, come on, guys. Well, I'm getting all these Yankee states that I'm having to deal with. How about Coke with peanuts in honor of Georgia? Yeah, Coke with peanuts, no real Hard thing to figure out here. You just mix Coke and peanuts and boom, you got a delicious, delicious offering. It's hour two of the Y'all Show. We've got plenty of news to cover as we go forward in this middle hour of our Monday broadcast. We also have Southern history to discuss, as it was on this day in history that the 1860 election went down and a guy named Abraham Lincoln was elected. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the gentlemen up against Abraham Lincoln in that 1860 election and our Southern history spotlight. And we'll tell you about people like uh, you know, that, that cost Democrats from winning that election. That should not have been a Lincoln victory in 1860, but it was. And we'll tell you all about that. Also, Meet the Press made its debut on this day back in 1947, and they had a Southerner at the helm when it made its debut for NBC television. Also, it was on this day in history that the CSS Shenandoah surrendered. This was a Confederate ship that surrendered on this day in history in 1865, roughly six months after Robert E. Lee surrendered his forces. The Shenandoah became the last official Confederate anything flying the battle flag, or in this case, the naval jack, to surrender. And we'll tell you about that and more Confederate naval history, passing that along in our Southern history, plus some famous birthdays going on across the South today. Also in this second hour, we've got Southern Food for Thought, and it's going to be pickle talk. Honey, get the recorder. We've got to hear all about this pickle talk. I'm going to tell you about Wickles Pickles. Also, there's a company called Braswell's Pickles and the Carolina Pickle Company and several others. You know, nothing says I love you like a gift box of pickles. And so (laughs) as we've got Christmas right around the corner, we're going to have some pickle talk as part of our Southern Food for Thought. If you love pickles, if you know somebody that loves pickles, then make sure you pay attention later this hour when we have that (laughs) special, special segment. I just told you in the previous segment all about Kulikles, which are a dill pickle doused in Kool-Aid and then put in a jar, and they just sit there and do their thing. And then people buy them at the gas station. And they are gigantic pickles that are red. And they look kind of they look kind of fun. I, I, I've never had one. I like Kool-Aid. I like pickles. You know what? I'm going to go to Mississippi right now and get me a Kulikle. Maybe they're at my other options across the southeast besides Mississippi gas stations. 
And I'm a I'm a sucker for Mississippi gas stations. Love me some chicken on a stick. Love me some Crespitos. Love me. Uh, let's see some of my favorite gas stations there. Well, I'm trying to decide. Well, I mean a lot of them have great biscuits. There's a chain out of Tupelo called Dodges that has awesome sausage biscuits, and they have seventy. I think it's 78 cent gigantic cups that you can get. And I didn't realize, I knew they were out of Mississippi, but I didn't know that they were out of Tupelo until I did an interview a couple of years ago with Pastor Paula White, if y'all know who that is, the televangelist. And she was working for Donald Trump in the White House as sort of his faith advisor. Uh, I wonder how that goes. And Paula White told me in the interview that she grew up next to the man that started Dodge's store in Tupelo. So pretty neat to find that out. But, uh, yeah, Dodge's is a great convenience store option. Any convenience store, no matter what portion of the South, that you can find great gas station food. And and some of them serve kind of a meat-and-three type deal. I went into one of them the other day in the Magnolia State that I used to go to a lot, and they've sold, they've sold out. It's not even called what? This particular Chevron station doesn't even have the name that it had when I would go to it on a regular basis. But I still went there and got me a couple of snacks, and it was great. It was great. And then there's another gas station. You know, I I could sit here and talk all day about gas stations. Uh, Why don't we just do that? Uh, But I went to a gas station also the other day that I had not been to, and the reason I, I went by there is because I overheard a lady talking about Oh, they have the best biscuits. Oh, their biscuits are the greatest. And I'm said, I, I mean, me being Mr. Southern, I said, well, excuse me, do you mind telling me what gas station you're talking about? And she told me, and I went by there, and this is a place that used to be right down the road from where I lived, and they had decent food then, but boy, they have got evidently a new biscuit maker in there at this. It's now a '76 gas station. And she was right. Great little biscuits, really economical. And she told me that she went by there and put in an order for like 100 biscuits because she had an event that she was going to have nice little biscuits made up for. And they got them in sausage. They got the country ham and bacon and the bacon, cheese and egg. And, oh, you know, a good biscuit's hard to beat, y'all. Now, how in the world I got on this talk, I don't know, but... I've got a text that has come in, and we appreciate all of you who text us here at the Y'all Show. And this texture, going back to our conversation in hour one of some of the great foods that you can find unique in each southern state, texture says, I like a good pig ear sandwich from Sunflower, Mississippi. Now, that is in the delta as well of Mississippi. So how about going to Sunflower and having you a good pig ear sandwich with a cool liquor to go along with it? Hmm. And then maybe some gas station. Uh, I don't know in Sunflower if they got good sweet tea at the gas stations there or not, but we'll just assume they do. And we appreciate that text. A pig ear sandwich. Mm-mm. What a way to start a Monday y'all show. Texture also says, go Rebels. I assume you're talking about the flagship university of that state of Mississippi. You know what? They're on a roll. I think Lane Kiffin's team is 8-1 and one now in the top 10, and they're going to be on college game day coming up Saturday 
as game day will be in Athens as the Rebel Land Shark Bears are going to be taking on the University of Georgia Bulldogs, ranked number two in this latest BCS or whatever it's called, college football playoff thingy. They're now unveiling. They should be number one, but they're number two. And it's them versus the Lane Kiffin Sharks going on on ESPN Saturday night. So you you got a lot to be pretty excited about. I, I got one Mr. Uh, Colonel Little Colonel Rev fan who's already on me about taking him to Athens this weekend. And I've been to Athens on game day. It's a great environment. I just don't know if being there for a top 10 matchup and you're the opposing team is quite a good thing because Georgia fans can be a little a little rough on the visiting team. Heck, they can be rough. I've said it before. They can be rough if you're the home team. I've been heckled in an SEC stadium by Georgia fans, and the team that I was rooting for was winning the game, and they were still heckling me. Oh, and Georgia wasn't even good back then, and they're real good now. But, yes, you have a a good point there. Again, the Ole Miss, Mississippi, Landshark, Rebel, Colonel Reb, whatever they are, uh, they're good. They're good this year. And if they can get past Georgia, they got a pretty easy road. They got Louisiana Monroe followed by the Egg Bowl. I don't think they'll have any problem with either one of those other two games. State, my God, the wheels have fallen off there. They got beat by three touchdowns this past weekend at Davis Wade Stadium to Kentucky. First time Kentucky had won in Starkville in roughly 15 years. So it's it's tough goings in Stark Vegas. It's pretty good times in the shadows of the Grove right now. And if they can beat Georgia, I think you're going to see the red and blue knock on the door of the BCF, FCS. What what is it called? The CFP. There's so many acronyms out there. I can't keep trying. The the uh, the playoffs this year only being four teams. I, I think they can get in. I really do. Um, but right now they're the team that's got the least percentage of the top 10 to get in there. But you beat Georgia, and Georgia's vulnerable. I saw some of their game against Mizzou this past weekend, and Missouri, unfortunately for them, just couldn't quite get it into gear when they needed to. But it ought to be a great game this weekend between the Georgia Bulldogs and the U of Miss. All right, let's pick up our headlines for this hour of the Y'all Show before we get into all this other fun talk included and that is our Southern history. I'm, I'm really excited to tell you about the 1860 presidential election of which a Southerner, Mr. Brackenridge, kind of uh, didn't help things out. Nor did another guy named John Bell. Two Southerners really are the reason that Abraham Lincoln won that election in 1860. We're going to tell you all about that, but let's continue on with our news headlines of the day here on the Y'all Show. And we'll start off with a little information, again, going back to our opening hour. We told you about this, but want to let all you moms and dads know that there is now a recall of 30,000 pounds of chicken nuggets from Tyson. As Tyson is recalling this breaded chicken fun nugget is what it's labeled as, as consumers are complaining of finding metal pieces in the dinosaur-shaped chicken patties, the breaded chicken fun nuggets being recalled. These have been sold in 29-ounce bags, and they were produced on just one day, September 5th, 
in Berryville, Arkansas at the plant there and then distributed to Alabama, California, Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, and Wisconsin, then passed on to retailers. This is nationwide. The USDA is urging consumers with the nuggets in their freezers to throw them out or return them to the place of purchase. But a recall right now on these chicken nuggets from Tyson. Fun nuggets. I don't think I've ever had a chicken nugget in the shape of a dinosaur. I've I've missed out. You know, as a kid, I don't even remember chicken nuggets even being something you could get at the grocery store. I, I think I remember you could get them at McDonald's when they came out with McNuggets. But I, I just don't remember. Maybe, maybe it's been way too long. But on this particular type of nugget, again, these nuggets come in 29-ounce bags, and they carry a number on the back of the package. Check it out. If you've got a, a package of these 29-ounce fun nuggets, and there's this following code on the back, P7211, 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 that is a code that in, indicates that, yes, indeed, your fun nuggets need to be thrown out as there is a recall. And I guess you can go get your money back for the purchase of these things. Be advised, y'all. Elsewhere in our news headlines across the southeast today, Kim Reynolds, governor of Iowa, is now backing Ron DeSantis's bid for president as she surprised many by picking DeSantis over Trump. But also, I would think she's got a lot of pressure from people like Nikki Haley to get behind her. Iowa, with its caucus setup, is the first state in the country that will be having people select their preferential presidential choice. And we'll keep our eye if the Reynolds support affects greatly what's going on in the Republican side of 2024. Elsewhere in our headlines across the Southeast today, Dolly Parton in the news, as Dolly Parton has opened Heart Song Lodge at Dollywood. And Dolly showed up Friday, played guitar, sang, and welcomed guests at the grand opening ceremony for this five-story Heart Song Lodge and Resort on the 24-acre campus of Dollywood in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Now, this Heart Song Lodge is a 302-room resort next to Dollywood's Dream More Resort and Spa. That opened in 2015. Ah, man, she has got quite a business thing going. The 77-year-old welcomed guest and performed her song Heart Song in front of the stone fireplace that is the centerpiece for this resort. And what a great job she did showing up in East Tennessee in her home area performing. And it has this new Heart Song Resort, an acoustic lobby with a dining room that's got acoustic guitars and an acoustic guitar chandelier as a centerpiece. So the art of songwriting definitely is something that comes out of a visit to Heart Song Lodge and Resort. And this resort is going to host corporate and group events. It's got a two-story event center, as well as an indoor and outdoor meeting space available. Trolleys will provide complimentary transportation to and from Dollywood Theme Park and to Splash Country. So you can go to dollywood.com slash heartsong to learn a lot more about this brand new addition to East Tennessee, the Heart Song, the Heart Song Lodge, and 
Resort on the Dollywood property. This specifically is a 24-acre campus devoted just to heart song, and it's next to the gigantic Dollywood theme park and the splash park and more that she's got going on in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Congratulations. And again, Dolly showing up on Friday at this resort to welcome everybody there for what I'm sure is going to be an incredible, incredible experience. We've got more headlines coming to you. Hour number three included in those headlines, how they're going to be the new Florida man games where you can have a game about evading arrest as well as beer belly wrestling. All that news. This is big news coming from the Sunshine State. The Florida Man Games. Can't wait to tell you about it. But you know what? I can't tell you about I can't wait to tell you about Southern history. And when the Y'all Show comes back, we're gonna fill you in on the eighteen sixty presidential election. It happened on this day in history, as well as the Confederate State ship, the Shenandoah, a very storied history of the Confederate ship that went around the world literally literally and figuratively. And we'll tell you about that as the Y'all Show Monday edition continues. Appreciate you being involved. Again, if you want to email us here, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com is how you can reach us here on the program about the South. Stay tuned. we got more good stuff coming.
telling them about it. Bo Cephas, the newlywed Hank Jr. with Mr. Lincoln. We're back here on the Y'all Show, getting your work week going on a Monday. And we're going to talk a little history, if you don't mind. Put on your thinking cap. Put on your political science cap for a few moments. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you about Mr. Lincoln. Hank, I'm going to tell you about Hank. Hank's favorite guy, Abraham Lincoln. Just kidding. I think Hank and I agree. We're more of a Jefferson Davis type of guy. But it was on this day in 1860 that Lincoln won the presidential election back on November 6, 1860. And the big event of that era was the fact that there were multiple people that pulled in lots of votes on this ballot of 1860. At that time, you only needed 152 electoral votes to win the presidency as there were 303 members of the Electoral College back in 1860. And the Kentucky-born and Illinois resident at the time, Abraham Lincoln, who had been, was he a one-term congressman? I mean, he wasn't even that big of a deal when he ran for president as this new party, Republican Party, was up and going. And he was on the ballot against John Breckinridge of Kentucky in the Southern Democrat Party. John Breckinridge pulled in. I said you only needed 152 electoral votes. Lincoln got 180. But Breckinridge, who would go on to be a Confederate general, by the way, he got 72 electoral votes in the 1860 U.S. presidential election. And a guy named John Bell... He got 39 electoral votes. John Bell won a couple of southern states, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Virginia. John Bell did. John Bell, by the way, was a Tennessean as he was from, I think, Williamson County. I think. I think I heard that. Maybe I'm wrong. He died in Stewart County, Tennessee in 1869, but... He was a guy who had been the U.S. Senator for Tennessee from 1847 to 1859, and before that he had been Secretary of War in both the William Henry Harrison and John Tyler administration and was even a Speaker of the House of Representatives back in the mid-1830s. And his speakership, by the way, a fellow Tennessean came in for him after he left, James K. Polk. But John Bell brought in a couple of southern states and electoral votes in that 1860 election. And then, oh, by the way, Abraham Lincoln's nemesis from Illinois also ran, Stephen Douglas. And Douglas, hard to believe, he only got 12 electoral votes as he was the Democratic Party nominee. Only 12 electoral votes for Stephen Douglas. I'm trying to even see where he would have won. I guess he won Missouri. That was the only state that he won. And this is why Abraham Lincoln got elected, because the South essentially split between Breckinridge and John Bell. If the South had picked one of those two guys, or if the South would have gone behind Stephen Douglas, There would likely have not been a civil war, 
there would not have been an Abraham Lincoln presidency. And as Hank Jr. once sang about in one of his songs, we'd have all been a little bit better off if there had not been a civil war. And I think this 1860 election was, again, indicative of just how messed up things were. Abraham Lincoln did get plenty of electoral votes. He got just shy of 40% of the popular vote. So 60% of the country did not vote for Abraham Lincoln, but he still won the presidency because he carried the electoral college. And a large part, as I said, goes back to the fact that those opposing Lincoln split up their vote. And I mean, if you look at the South, the South was solidly behind John Breckinridge as he picked up Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, both Carolinas, and he also picked up Maryland. It looks like he picked up Delaware, too, in this 1860 election. So the South, not one single state went for Abraham Lincoln. The South split its votes between Missouri going for Stephen Douglas, but every other southern state either went for John Bell or John C. Breckinridge. By the way, John Bell was an old guy when this election took place. Not quite Joe Biden old, but in 1860 he would have been 64 years old. And he's a guy who had been, again, that senator for Tennessee, so I'm sure most people knew him well as he was born in the Nashville area way back in 1796. That's the same year that Tennessee became a state, FYI. So he has a direct connection to the volunteer state. But but he was an older guy. And then Breckenridge was what, what I would consider the more polished, slick guy. Breckenridge in 1860 would have been right around 39 years old, born in Lexington, Kentucky as his family had a, an estate there in Lexington. And John Breckinridge was a vice president of the United States right at the, at the time of this 1860 election. He would have been James Buchanan's VP. And here you got a sitting VP running for president. Should have been the favored guy. Although the James Buchanan presidency was certainly considered one of the worst presidencies in American history. Breckenridge, part of that. And he would go on to be, after the Civil War broke out, as I said, he was part of the Confederate forces as he served in the Army. He would even be the Confederate States Secretary of War right at the closing days of the war from February to May of 1865, the last Secretary of War for the CSA. John Breckinridge, who would live and die in Lexington, Kentucky. He died in 1875 at age 54. But that 1860 election had the South split up between Lincoln, Breckinridge, Stephen Douglas, and Bell. And the South, the country was split four-way. The South split really two ways. And that's how Abraham Lincoln got elected. Our Takapola storyteller who comes by, and appears on our Tuesday show. He is distantly related to John Bell of Tennessee, 
who represented the Constitutional Union Party back in the 1860 election, a party that got 39 electoral votes and helped Lincoln win the election overall. The Takapola storyteller are not exactly thrilled with his ancestor, John Bell, for helping the country go in the direction of the newfound Republican Party of 1860. But it was on this day in history that election was held, November 6, 1860, and a guy named Abraham Lincoln was picked as president of the United States. Here's a guy prior to being elected president, was a one-term member of the Illinois House of Representatives, in the, in, I'm sorry, in the U.S. House from Illinois' 7th District. I mean, he got beat out in 1849, or rather 1840, in the 1848 election. I don't even know how he was even able to work his way to even be a presidential consideration, other than the fact that sometimes the man upstairs has a plan. And the man upstairs had to have had a reason why this relatively unknown one-term U.S. congressman from Backwoods, Illinois, a state that was just getting started in the mid-19th century, how Abraham Lincoln got to be elected president. Fascinating, really fascinating. And then the ramifications of that election of a civil war that followed and a lot of diehards in the South call it Mr. Lincoln's War because of his persistence of not letting the South get away with secession and trying to keep the Union together. It was on this day in history in 1947 that Meet the Press made its debut on NBC television. And if you've had a chance to watch it through the years, Quite a presentation. They even have a fairly new host as they've got Kristen Welker now as the new moderator for Meet the Press. And you know, the funny thing is, Welker becomes the second female host of Meet the Press. Do you realize who the first was? The first Meet the Press host was a woman you got to go way back but when meet the press made its debut on this day in 1947 long before tim russert hosted long before chuck todd long before all the other hosts and knockoff shows that were trying to do what meet the press was doing back on november 6 1947 nbc debuted Meet the Press with a Charlestonian in the host chair, and that would be Martha Roundtree. Martha Roundtree born, I said Charleston, my apologies to my birth city. (laughs) Martha Roundtree was born in Gainesville, Florida back in 1911, but she grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. And she would go on to study at the University of South Carolina just down the street from where she grew up and got her job working at the afternoon Columbia Record newspaper and would go on to get a job with the Tampa Tribune before moving on to New York City. And in those days after World War II, she found a way to get on television, 
a beautiful South Carolina lady, Martha Roundtree. Martha lived until 1999, where she died at age 87. But the first host of Meet the Press was Martha Roundtree from South Carolina's capital city. And now Kristen Welker, just a few months ago, took over for Chuck Todd with that role on NBC. And they usually do a pretty good job of getting some great hosts on Meet the Press and more. But I uh, I love going back and watching. No, I'm going to try to pull this up real quick. I love going back and watching old clips of shows like Meet the Press, I guess, because I'm a little bit of a junkie when it comes to news and history. That's why we're doing this Southern History Spotlight right now. But um, I found this clip the other day. And if I can uh, successfully pull this up, just because I, I like to hear the announcers of that time period and and the um, and the way they talked. It's always fun, fun to hear the the announcers and also the cigarette commercials that they did often live on shows like Meet the Press. Martha Roundtree again was this uh, lady who was the original original host of Meet the Press, and let's go here. Listen. <laughs> From Washington, D.C., NBC Television brings you America's Press Conference of the Air, Meet the Press. Finally, Miss Martha Roundtree, moderator of Meet the Press. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, members of the press panel. Senator Morris, if you're ready, let's see who looks like they have a good opening question. I understand, uh, Senator, uh, that very little of that help that was uh, voted for, national, to, for China for the nationalists was ever received by them. Oh, it was received. It was paid out by us. And but the question is, how, by whom it was used? Whether it ever got to the purposes for which it was appropriated is another matter. But there's no doubt what was paid. Well, wasn't that someone's job to see that it got to the right people after it was appropriated uh, and paid for? How can you? Uh, if you help a foreign nation, you uh, usually help them through their government. Get on them, Roundtree. Uh, Martha Roundtree, the moderator of Meet the Press, the original. 1947 that was that clip there from... NBC's archives. So, again, that show made its debut on this day in history in 1947. I bet you somebody out there listening to me right now might have even been watching. It was on this day in history that the Confederate state ship Shenandoah surrendered, officially bringing to close the Civil War. As she surrendered in Liverpool in in the United Kingdom, Surrendering November 6, 1865, six months after the war had ended back in America, back in the Confederate States of America. <laughs> and upon her surrender and her flag being lowered, the CSS Shenandoah was the last sovereign Confederate flag to be officially furled. Shenandoah is also known for having fired the last shot of the Civil War across the bow of a whaler and the waters off of the Aleutian Islands. And this thing, truly, this Confederate States ship went around the world and then some during its tenure on the high seas as it launched in 1863 and surrendered on this day in 1865. It was a clipper hull ship that was under the command of James Waddell. 
I'll tell you about him in a second. But it was originally a British merchant ship known as the Sea King, but became repurposed and became a Confederate ship during the American Civil War. And it did quite a job. It disrupted the Union economy. It captured lots of Union ships, including 38 vessels. And on this day in history, surrendered. I think it circumnavigated the globe at least once in its time. The CSS Shenandoah. James Waddell, as I said, was the commander. And James Waddell was a native of Pittsburgh, North Carolina. He went to the United States Naval Academy in its early days and went on to serve in the U.S. Navy, in the U.S. Navy on the Pennsylvania. And during the Mexican and American War, he was on the Veracruz, on the, in, in, in Veracruz, in operations off that sh- Mexican city, serving on the USS Summers. And when the Civil War broke out, he joined the Confederate States Navy and served on the ironclad CSS Mississippi and fought in battles in Virginia, off of Charleston and Moore. And in 1864, he took over the CSS Shenandoah and did one heck of a job, this Pittsburgh, North Carolina native who would die in 1886 in Annapolis, Maryland. He's buried there in Annapolis at St. Anne's Cemetery. And something tells me that he had been honored in Annapolis in years past, and I think they've completely erased him from their archives these days. But James Waddell, who did not return to America until years after the Shenandoah surrender, he didn't come back to 1870. And when he came back, he was a captain of a commercial steamer, the city of San Francisco. And then he became in charge of Maryland's Oyster Regulation Force, quite a difference from being a Confederate States uh, Naval officer. And the Charles F. Adams guided missile destroyer USS Waddell is named after him. Don't tell anybody, but okay, this is a former ship. No wonder. Okay. It uh, was decommissioned. 30 years ago, so our government doesn't have to go rename the Waddell anymore, but that was an example of a ship named in honor of a Confederate, in this case, James Waddell of the CSS Shenandoah. Other folks to tell you about here on this 6th day of January, uh, January, 6th day of November. Today's the birthday of John Philip Sousa, who was born in our nation's capital in 1854, You know him from songs like Stars and Stripes Forever and the great songs that he's come out with, the March songs. Love me some John Philip Sousa music and more. We'll put a smile on your face. And today, John Philip Sousa's birthday, he died in 1932 at age 77. But the guy who was an American composer and conductor of the American Military March John Philip Sousa with a birthday today. Today, in terms of musicians, also not Confederate Stonewall Jackson, but country music Stonewall Jackson, the late singer from Tabor City, North Carolina, Stonewall Jackson, born November 6, 1932. I remember seeing him backstage at the Opry a lot. He was a constant 
on the Grand Ole Opry for decades. And Stonewall passed away in Nashville in 2021, sadly, at the age of 89. Country music singer Stonewall Jackson, who sang songs like Waterloo, a great one in country history, born on this day. Another great singer in country, Guy Clark, was born on this day in Monahans, Texas. Guy Clark died in, in uh, 2016 at the age of 74, but a talented singer-songwriter with cuts all over the place and had a few pretty cool songs of his own. I think L.A. Freeway was a great Guy Clark song, and then his own song, Homegrown Tomatoes, got up to about number 42 on the country chart in the mid-1980s. Homegrown Tomatoes, ain't nothing like them. Guy Clark with a birthday today. Also, college football great Auburn head coach, former Georgia Bulldog player, Pat Dye, born on this day, right outside of Augusta, Georgia. Pat died in 2020 at the age of 80, as he was Auburn's head coach from 1981 to 1992. Also coached the East Carolina Pirates back in the late 1970s. Won a Southern Conference champion for ECU before he moved on to the Auburn Tigers. Won four SEC titles, 83, 87, 88, and 89. Three-time coach of the year in the Southeastern Conference. Pat Dye, dying on this day, partially to COVID-19. He had been diagnosed with that when he died, but he also had kidney-related problems and a great coach in college football, Pat Dye. Used to love him wearing those, the tie with the ball cap. That was a, a, a great Pat Dye scene on the sideline back in the day. And lastly, a celebrity that's still with us, Ethan Hawke with a birthday today. He was born in 1970 in Austin, Texas. Ethan Hawke, you might know him from Dead Poet Society, the actor. He's also been in a bunch of other roles throughout his career, like He's been a actor in Reality Bites, as well as Maggie's Plan and The Northman. Ethan Hawke, happy birthday to you, sir. We're going to wrap up this hour of the Y'all Show right after this quick break. So stay tuned as we fill you in with all the goings-on of the Southeast and more. And when we come right back, we're going to tell you what's going on in terms of pickles across the Southeast. So we're not picking. We'll be right back. Elena out of North Georgia and Lanny Wilson out of Northeast Louisiana. 
You know, those two ladies are awesome, and I bet you they love good pickles. And we're going to wrap up this hour of conversation about what's going on in the South with Pickle Talk. Not Pillow Talk, but Pickle Talk here on the program about the South because somebody brought up our attention that we need to promote pickles. So, okay, noted. Let me tell you, if you're looking for a great gift for somebody that loves pickles or you're maybe looking for a good gag gift, Wickles Pickles is a pretty cool option. As you can order from their website, Wickles Pickles, W-I-C-K-L-E-S, Pickles.com. They've got lots of awesome products that you can shop at Wickles Pickles. And they're available in stores across the Southeast, too, if you get a chance to see the various varieties of Wickles Pickles. They've got their original pickle, and then they've got the relish option, too. Even Wickled Okra available from Wickles Pickles. Another company that offers great pickle options is bestmadepickles.com. They've got a great website. Braswell's Pickles. They are a tremendous Georgia-based. They're out of Statesboro, and they have hot pickled okra, as well as pickled asparagus, pickled beets. My goodness, if you like pickles, mm, might want to check this website out. It's braswells.com. Also, you've got Doe South Pickles. They're out of Georgia with a great little story behind it, and they have various products there that you can order from their website, including Sweet Soul Shine and what they call Chow Chow. Yeah, that's on their site. And we don't want to leave out the Carolina Pickle Company because they also have great selections like the Carolina Recipe Dill Pickle and the Taco Dill Pickles, all at their website, carolinapicklecompanyinc.com. Woo! That's one way to wrap up a great hour of Southern Conversation talking pickles. We've got another hour of the Y'all Show coming forth, so stay tuned to the show about the South. Look at that juicy peach. Did you have to jump in? And a happy final hour of the Y'all Show for a Monday. The General of the South, John Rawl, that's my name. And it's good to have you, all of my fellow Southern Generals, who are joining us on a fun discussion of what's going on in Dixie today. If you'd like to get involved with y'all, it's easy to do so. We've got our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week text line, 615-208-4184, 4184. You can also email us here any old time at mail at yall.com. Mail at yall.com. The perfect four letter word, yall.com. <laughs> oh, mama would be proud. I guess mama is proud. I don't know. I don't know what mama's thinking. What's your mama thinking if you got one? What if, you're, if your mama ain't here, what's she thinking? Oh, Lordy. We got a couple weeks before we got. Thanksgiving coming, so we got to turn up our Southern family discussion. That's a note I need to write here. You know, we're going to turn it up. One family in the South that has been well chronicled 
since the 1950s is the Elvis Presley family. Later this hour, I'm going to play an awesome interview that I discovered on Sunday when I was flipping through YouTube. And Pierce Morgan, the little Brit that he is, somehow got a nearly one-hour sit-down interview with Priscilla Presley. Now, there's a brand-new film in the theater called Priscilla that's just come out, and he gets her to talk about that film. But, man, does Priscilla Presley really open up. And I was impressed with her. She's been through hell. Let's just be honest. She's been through hell. She's lost her mother in the last couple of years. She's lost her mother. Then she lost her grandson. And now she's lost her daughter, her only daughter. So she's really had a tough time. And she struggles in some of this interview, if you get a chance. I'm going to play a portion of the interview that Pierce Morgan did with Priscilla Presley later this hour as part of our Southern Cultural Spotlight. Because I think it's a really revealing interview. She she even admits in the interview there's things that she told him that she's never really ever said publicly. And so that's pretty powerful stuff. And we'll have that later this hour. You, you kind of have to feel for Priscilla Presley and the tough times that she's had and the love story that she continues to have for her late husband, Elvis Presley, even though they were divorced. Priscilla talks about in that interview that there were many, many times after their divorce where they would talk at 5 o'clock. I think it was 5 o'clock every day he would call her, or on the days that he would call her, it would be 5 p.m. And again, even after they were divorced, he would go. she said he'd go into the bathroom when he'd have a, a very significant other, maybe. He would still find time to call Priscilla and talk to her with girlfriends present or not. He'd still take the time to call his ex-wife, and she's going to be buried next to Elvis Presley at Graceland. That just officially got announced. And we'll we'll go in and hear Priscilla Presley. If you've got a Priscilla Presley memory or something you'd like to add, feel free to reach out to us here at the Y'all Show and let us let us know the story. Of course, she spent a number of, of, of years at Graceland, and she still pops in at Graceland. And I wonder how common it is to see her in the Memphis area today. I know she goes there, but I wonder just how much she really hangs out. She says she goes there, but I don't know what going there means. Is it a two-hour visit and you're back on a plane to California, or do you really feel like you're part of the community still? She told me, or she she didn't tell me, she told Pierce Morgan in that interview that her granddaughter, Riley Keough, who's now the heir to Graceland, that Riley is learning a lot more about Elvis as well as Graceland and, and feeling more of that connection to that special spot in the Memphis, Tennessee area, maybe even to Tupelo where Elvis was born. But Riley Keough asking her grandmother questions about Elvis and how things work. To Priscilla Presley's credit, Elvis and Graceland, after his passage in 1977, it was going downhill. It was going bankrupt. She talks about it in the Pierce Morgan interview. And Priscilla gets the credit for really turning it around into now a $100 million a year generating company. I think a profit, maybe, of that amount of money. Just, just fantastic. And a lot of it, of course, goes to not just Elvis, but the incredible love that his fans continue to have for the Tupelo kid. We've got that interview coming. You don't want to miss it later in the hour. We also have a preview of what you can find on the Y'all Show going forward the rest of the week coming up before we get out of here today.
And we pick up this hour's coverage of what's going on across the South with some news headlines. And want to let you know that a big story politically happened over the weekend. A couple of big stories involving President Trump. All political. One story was that the governor of Iowa has now thrown her support behind Ron DeSantis. As Kim Reynolds is the governor of Iowa. Iowa, the first state in the country to have a primary of sorts. It's a caucus, technically. But she has now endorsed the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, for president. And that has made Donald Trump rather angry. Over the weekend in Kissimmee, Florida, Trump, DeSantis, even Chris Christie, even Asa Hutchinson made their way down for a Florida Republican rally that was held there. And I saw the clip of Matt Gates. Matt Gates spoke there. I, I just like hearing Matt Gates talk. And he did a great job at the podium talking. I mean, Matt Gates, as I said, when it happened, he may end up, instead of being the fool that many tried to make him out to be, if Republicans can just hold on and stick together, this West Florida guy with the perfect hair and the perfect vocabulary might end up coming out of this thing bigger than he's ever imagined as a hero because Mike Johnson now is your house speaker instead of a guy as Kevin, I mean, Gates kind of calls out Kevin McCarthy and essentially calls him a liberal. I don't really know how accurate that is. That's what Matt Gates said. And so over the weekend, Republicans gathered in Kissimmee for a Florida Republican event of which you were supposed to kind of be there. That's uh, I think it's also where you officially signed up to be on the ballot in Florida for their primary coming up in 2024. And one significant name running was not there. She paid a $100,000 fine, I think it was, for not being part of it, and that was Nikki Haley as she skipped out on this thing in Florida. And one reason she skipped out is she ended up picking up a big financial boost from one of the big super donors of the Republican Party. Might have been one of the Koch brothers or something like that. Didn't pay too much attention. But she's coasting in a lane now where it looks like you got Trump and then 50 points down, you got DeSantis and Haley battling for scraps. And Haley seems to have a lot more of the media love going on right now. And they're both thinking if Trump somehow ends up in jail or is forbidden from running, then we're going to take this thing and run with it. And that's that's kind of the strategy that I think Nikki Haley for sure has going on right now in her bid to be the Republican nominee in 2024. I've pulled up this audio. Let, let, let me, for humor's sake, give you a little bit of the Matt Gaetz speech from, it was Saturday that he spoke at this Republican gathering in Florida, the Florida Freedom Summit is what it's called. And here's this guy that's always full of uh, one-liners and more. And I know if you don't like him, you're going to probably, uh, you're probably going to 
Need to go to the restroom in a few moments. But if you love Matt Gates, then you're going to enjoy hearing this guy because, I mean, I like hearing from him, and, and I think it's kind of funny to hear him talk. So here's Gates again from the weekend at this Florida Freedom Summit, the congressman from Destin, Florida. Economy, the border, even gender. They broke gender. If you would have told me that we would have these things going on today when I first got elected, I would have said you are crazy. But when Republicans keep acting like Democrats, I will be in the battle with you and I will fight them too. I oppose most regime change abroad, but it was necessary to conduct a little regime change here at home in the People's House. And I promised two things. We would have a speaker more honest and a speaker more conservative than the California lottery winner. Now, Florida alone is responsible for four additional Republican congressmen. Without those wins that we got here in Florida, Nancy Pelosi would still have power today. And then I did what I had to do. So I guess in a way, you could say that it was Florida that led to the firing of not one, but two liberal California speakers. Mike Johnson is a great conservative. He is a proud Christian who cares about the Constitution. And we won't agree always, but the mainstream media is correct when they call Mike Johnson the most conservative speaker in history. Put another way, it was entirely worth it. This is a fresh start in Washington, and the lobbyists and the Uniparty are not happy about it. You know what? That's exactly how it should be. Our leaders should be beholden to the voters alone, not the foreign interests abroad, not the special interests here at home. And that is why I am the only Republican in the entire United States Congress who refuses all donations from federal lobbyists and political action committees. I work for you. I work for you alone, not them. All right, Matt Gates. Does that kind of sound like a presidential rally that he had there at the Florida Freedom Summit in Kissimmee on Saturday? I love that term, uniparty. I had not heard of that one before. But he started out there, and I, I kind of didn't have it queued up to the right spot, talking about gender and more. Uh, what a what a classic. And I think he's in good shape. You know, they tried to bring him down in terms of some – what was it? It was a sexual. I mean, they basically called Matt Gates a sexual predator and investigated him. Investigated him as such. I think it was where he had an underage boy that he was doing something with. That's kind of what they alluded to, and he survived massive investigations and in that he didn't do anything wrong. And they they the liberals hate this guy. Unlike Marjorie Taylor Greene, unlike. Lauren Boebert, of which he's often seen or has been seen with those two, Matt Gates is a smart dude. I mean, he he's he's a he's a I think a William and Mary educated lawyer, and he's just good. He's a good good bright star from the Republican side, in my opinion. If you hate him, let me know. But boy, is he is he kind of funny? The Uniparty. I'm gonna have to remember that one. Let's pick up with our other headlines of the day. By the way, Trump today is expected in New York City to testify. His two oldest boys spoke last week in front of the jury 
or in front of the judge that's done a jury trial on that uh, Manhattan civil business ethics fraud type crap. I don't know. It's it's um, one of the many things going on. It's hard to hard to keep up. I believe Trump wouldn't have said the word I just said. He would call it BS, but not use BS. That's how he would label it. But that's going on today as a former president expected to be under oath and testify in this case that Letitia James, the attorney general of the Empire State, has brought forward in Manhattan. Other headlines of the day going on across the state or across the South, your state included, includes the fact that there was a fatal accident over the weekend in the state of Maryland. Four people killed in what looks like a case of an intersection where people were trying to make a left turn and vehicle was hit from behind and then it was struck by a third vehicle. This happened in Westminster, Maryland, and four people again dying. Many of the passengers were elderly, elderly Marylanders. Charles Black III was 72. Barbara Black Black was 69 and Debbie Hill was a little younger than that. Those three died. Another person died at the hospital. But a fatal, fatal incident report from the Maryland highways. Also in the nation's capital region of the South, an off-duty U.S. Park police officer is now facing charges and the shooting death of another officer. This happened Sunday in McLean, Virginia, as authorities responded to a what was described as an unintentional shooting. An officer showed up at the home in McLean, Virginia, and upon arrival, officers found the body of 22-year-old Jesse Brown Hernandez, who was a member of the U.S. Park Police Force. He was dead after suffering gunshot wounds in the upper body, and his roommate, 25-year-old Alexander Roy, evidently shot the man with a firearm he believed was unloaded when they attempted to, quote, dry fire the weapon. And authorities now say that alcohol may have been a factor when this deadly shooting happening happened. By, by the way, dry firing is when one simulates the discharge of a firearm by pulling the trigger of a firearm that is unloaded. And unfortunately, this ended up leading to the death of, over the weekend of a member of the U.S. Park Police Force in Fairfax County, Virginia. There is a recall right now coming from Arkansas for chicken nuggets. A chicken nugget recall from Tyson as they're recalling dinosaur-shaped bun nugget chicken patties. These are sold in 29-ounce bags, and they were made on December 5th in Perryville, Arkansas, And the USDA says that these bags of chicken nuggets, the so-called Tyson Fun Nuggets, were distributed across the country. If you happen to have a 29-ounce bag of the Tyson-branded Fun Nuggets, check the back of the bag out. And if it has a code that says that it was made in a facility P7211, P7211, That means that it is likely in a contaminated bag as consumers discovered metal pieces inside of these little 
chicken fun nuggets made by Tyson, and 30,000 pounds of these nuggets were made on that one day, and now there is a recall underway. Please be advised. Elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast today, I want to congratulate a southerner from the state of Oklahoma as Trey Young just had a street in his native Norman, Oklahoma, named after him on Sunday. And this is located just outside the Young Family Athletic Center. I wonder if, I guess that may be named after him too. We'll just chalk it up as a as a yes. <laughs> but the Atlanta Hawks star now has Trey Young Drive in Norman, Oklahoma. Trey grew up with the high school there in Norman as he went on to Norman Northside after growing up partially in Texas, born in Lubbock, by the way, but would go on to live in Norman as a youngster and attend Oklahoma as a college player, was a great college basketball player before going into the 2018 draft. And he would sign on ultimately with the Atlanta Hawks and with Atlanta's NBA franchise. He's been a two-time NBA All-Star and was the rookie on the rookie first team for the NBA when he first made his debut. Quite an NBA career for Trey Young, and now in Norman, his hometown in Oklahoma. They have Trey Young Drive, and you can drive right to a hoop, I'm sure, and score. Trey will be driving to the hoop in Oklahoma City, just up the road from Norman, on this Monday evening as the Atlanta Hawks take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Congratulations to Dolly Parton. She's opened Heart Song Lodge at Dollywood. That is a new attraction located in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. It is a 24-acre addition to her Dollywood properties, and it is a 302-room resort that is full of great musical and songwriting-type memories and more. Got, a, I think, a guitar-shaped fireplace that you can find there. And on Friday, Dolly made her way back to Pigeon Forge and welcomed guests to Heart Song by performing the song Heart Song and a beautiful, beautiful setting there in East Tennessee. The resort has, it has two restaurants, Ember and Elm, and then High Note, which has casual dining. So you can have a great time eating. And then they have the acoustic lobby. And it is a dining room with a glimmering acoustic guitar chandelier as the centerpiece. Looks like a great little escape if you're back in Pigeon Forge in the Smokies anytime soon or you live there now. Check it out. Heart Song Lodge at Dollywood. Dolly on hand to open it up over the weekend. And to this Sunshine State story, the first ever Florida Man Games are going to start in St. Augustine in February. And this is kind of going to kind of going to be kind of a an Olympic of stupidity, if you will, in Florida. The Florida Man Games originate from the bizarre news headlines that often come out of the state of Florida. And a man named Pete Mifi has created these games for everybody to participate in the Florida Man competition. So get a load of some of the events that will be taking place. At this event, you won't find a tug-of-war or balloon toss challenges, but you'll find an event called a catalytic converter, 
an event called Two Bikes and a Handful of Copper Pipes and one called Race Against Time. So a lot of uh, unusual, unusual things pop up in Florida. And these are brought to life here in this February Florida Man Games. Already over 200 applications to participate in the competition. Oh, I should have mentioned one of the Florida Man Games competitions include a weaponized pool noodle mud duel. That's right, a weaponized pool noodle mud duel. That doesn't sound too safe. There's also the Category 5 cash grab and the Beer Belly Florida Sumo. (laughs) The Beer Belly Florida Sumo Wrestling event. (laughs) We got to go cover this in February in Florida. The Florida Man Games coming to St. Augustine. Wow. Wow. I'm sure they're quite proud of this in the halls of government in Tallahassee. (laughs) And that is a look at some of the news headlines across the Southeast today. I don't know how we top that. You know how we top it? We're going to take this break and come back with Priscilla Presley. Over the weekend, I found a clip of her being interviewed by Pierce Morgan. And she was very candid in that nearly one-hour interview that she did. And I'm going to play a portion about it as Priscilla is now the centerpiece of a new movie called Priscilla that just opened on Friday at box offices across the Southeast. And you're going to get a chance to hear her like you maybe have never heard Priscilla Presley, the wife of the late Elvis Presley. We've got that coming up right after the break, so stay tuned to this, The Y'all Show, talk with an accent on all things Southern and a show with an emphasis on the king of rock and roll. We'll have that right after this. Y'all show a little hound dog to get your week going from Elvis, of course, from the 1950s, one of his early ones. Oh, yeah. Well, they said you 
We're back talking everything Southern in our Southern Cultural Spotlight of the Day. And I happened to see, man, I did a lot of YouTube viewing evidently over the weekend. I've already played a Matt Gates clip because that popped up on my YouTube as a recommended video over the weekend and a bunch of other crazy things. You know, that's what YouTube's about. Weird, wild things popping up. But one of the other things that popped up on my recommended videos was a brand new interview conducted just the other day by Pierce Morgan with Priscilla Presley. And I don't know why I decided to watch it, I guess, because it was brand new. And often how many times does Priscilla Presley sit down for nearly an hour with anybody? Well, that's what she did with Pierce Morgan. She's interviewed with him before. She said she's very comfortable with Pierce Morgan interviewing her. And the English journalist did a good, good job. Now, this is a guy that has had his own show on CNN in years past. He's also been on The Apprentice as he won the 2008 edition of the Celebrity Apprentice U.S. He beat out Trace Atkins on that. I, I watched, I think, every episode of that. It was, it was fascinating. Pierce Morgan who had his own CNN show from 2011 to 2014 and has been fired by lots of places. He recently got fired here in the last two years over in England as he was on a show called Talk TV and the program Pierce Morgan Uncensored, I think. And he got fired for some stupid reason, like woke reason. And I feel... I feel for the guy because he should not have been fired for what happened there as he had a feud with an on-camera co-host and they ended up firing him. I'm trying to get the exact reason why they let him go. I don't necessarily watch British television on a, on a regular basis, but but Pierce Morgan, he does a good job. He, he gets his guests to really open up. And just the other day, he sat down with Priscilla and talked about Elvis and her daughter dying and more. 78-year-old Priscilla Presley has had a tough tough go of it here recently. She, she lost her mother in recent years and then losing both her grandson, Ben, and then Lisa Marie dying as well. And she's kept Elvis Presley Enterprises afloat during this time. And she's now settled in recent days. Some legal questions going on with the estate of Elvis Presley. Riley Kehoe, her granddaughter, taking over that. And Priscilla... I was impressed. I'm going to play a portion of this interview that you can find if you go on Pierce Morgan's official YouTube channel. You can find the interview that he did, again, sitting down with her with a show called Talk Pierce Morgan on YouTube. His first name is P-I-E-R-S. I'm going to go now and play a clip of this and see what you think of what Priscilla has to say. She says a lot. She talks about her family. She talks about the future of Elvis Presley Enterprises and more. But the main thing is she's talking, a lady that's been through all this grief in recent years, and she does get emotional in this interview. But overall, 
she comes across, in my opinion, as a real person, not some wax figure. And I think you'll hear that too when you have a chance to dissect what Priscilla Presley said to Pierce Morgan in this brand new interview that just came out. I can't even imagine because it was such a huge story for the rest of the world. But for you, this is just, this is real life. This is your man that you love, Mm -hmm. still love, Mm -hmm. still love today. Still love today, yep. He was, like I said, he was unique. He was, um, his personality was unreal. He was caring. Um, He cared for people. He had, um, he wondered why him. Um, And when, I mean, there's stories about him. I don't know if you ever heard the story about a, there was a black woman who was um, looking at a car on Beale Street, uh, a car dealership, and he was looking, and he was just driving around, and he saw her looking in the, in the windows at the new cars that were there, and he said, told Charlie to stop the car. He stopped out, and he went over to the woman, and he goes, boy, those are nice cars. And he said, oh, yes, sir, they're beautiful. Look at that. And she goes, what one do you like? And he, she goes, ooh, I like that black one right there. No, that blue one right there. And he goes, really? Yeah, I kind of like that, too. So then he takes her in, and they go in, see the car. And she, he says, what do you think? Oh, that's a beautiful car. You'll be good in that car, right? He goes, well, just a minute. He goes and gets the salesman. He says, give me the keys to that car. I'm getting it. And he gives the keys to her. And that was a beautiful blue Cadillac, brand new. That's him. That's what he would do. Anyone in trouble, he'd give them money. Anyone who had, you know, a problem with anything, really, you know, and then couldn't afford it, even with uh, some of the guys who needed uh, medical care, he'd pay for it. When you've watched Elvis the movie and now Priscilla, and it's made you revisit all of these times that you had with him, do you have any part of you that thinks if only I'd done this, this or this things could have turned out differently? You know, I don't know. I don't think so because I, I really um, you know, I gave my all to him. Mm. I, I, you know, I couldn't I couldn't change his mind. I mean, he was strong-minded. You know, when he wanted, he thought something or he wanted to share things with people he was very, he was very excited about you know, getting people gifts. Um, didn't like receiving them, but giving. He, he was a giver. But I, I look back, and I mean, we still had a relationship. That's the best thing, really. Well, I think he he loved you, and you loved mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. till the day he died. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's clear. Yes, it was an extraordinary love story. He would call me all the time, and it was so funny because whoever he was with. He would usually go into his bathroom to make the phone calls. <laughs> so they couldn't hear. Yeah. And I, I've never really shared that at all, actually. But, yes, he would either that or go out to the office mm-hmm. and call. And um, that, that was kind of fun. Do you remember your last conversation with him? My last conversation, yes, was when Lisa was coming home, that she needed to come home because school was starting. And Lisa, Lisa was there during that time. All right, that is Priscilla Presley sitting down with Pierce Morgan. Great interview. If you get a chance, I think this thing debuted on broadcast television in the United Kingdom, but you can watch it on Pierce Morgan's YouTube channel. Just search for it, and you'll see this titled Priscilla Presley Speaks to Piers Morgan About the Death of Her Daughter, Lisa Marie Presley. 
pretty, pretty wild stuff. And she does talk very candidly about losing her family members like Lisa Marie and her grandson, too. She lost Ben to suicide, but a very, very powerful story. I didn't realize until researching this interview today or this feature of Pierce Morgan's interview that Priscilla Presley's biological father actually died before she was born, I think. He died in 1945. She was born in May, and he died in a plane crash. So her biological father was a man from Pennsylvania, James Frederick Wagner. And he died, okay, he died on November 4th. Okay, so he he would have been, she would have been a couple of months old when he died in a plane crash just after World War II came to a close. And her mother would remarry a U.S. Air Force officer. And that's where her maiden name comes from. But she actually is originally Priscilla Ann Wagner. Other than, I guess, in the earliest months, never really knew her biological father. But her her stepdad would go on to marry her mother, and they would have children. So she has a couple of step or half-siblings. And then she had not only Lisa Marie, but she also gave birth to Navarone Garibaldi, as Priscilla would have him with her... Husband, I guess, Marco Garibaldi, they got married. And Navarone is a musician and lead singer of Them Guns. And he is 36 years young now. And that's her son that still is with us. But Lisa, her daughter, of course, dying sadly. And that is a look at some of the Priscilla Presley interview that you can go find on YouTube with Pierce Morgan. Again, moderating that discussion with Priscilla Presley. Got a phone call here. Let's take it here on the Y'all Show. Welcome in. You are up. Hey, good morning there. Uh, Hi there. So you're predicting that the uh, summer solstice is back with us. Is that right? No, I'm not predicting anything. I'm just saying it's it's uh, unusually warm on this Monday. Well, that's okay. It's not a problem. I'm trying to grow something to eat in the garden. So we appreciate warm weather, and uh, we actually are in a drought. See, so you, um, your weatherman needs to do rain dances, I think, till Thursday. I think Thursday we may get a chance, or Friday, we may get a chance of a, quote, small amount of rain. All right, great. I was just talking about Priscilla Presley. What's your... Thoughts on Priscilla Presley, sir? Uh, she probably need, didn't need to go to the plastic surgeon the last time she went. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. She's in a like a Joker smile. Have you noticed? You probably haven't noticed. Hey, she, she's a good-looking woman. I'm not going to talk about her. No, no. She was a, a pretty girl. Yeah. But, you know, uh when you uh, go to the plastic surgeon one too many times, you know, it's kind of like Hillary girl. She's got all of her wrinkles pulled uh, down her neck. Ah. You know how that uh, that operation goes, right? Well, I don't know, but Trump's now calling her beautiful Hillary. Have you heard him say that? Oh, uh, yeah. She is a beautiful witch. I mean, you know, <laughs> they don't make them any better. 
Um, no longer crooked, Hillary. She's beautiful, back, Hillary. Back to uh, America's economy is what I'd like to discuss with you this All right. morning. Make it quick. And, We're about to close up shop. Well, that's okay. You've got all the time in the world for this. You know, uh, you American folk, uh, y'all need to wake up. Uh, people are living paycheck to paycheck in this country, and apparently they can't afford to do anything. They can't buy their own food. They can't pay for their own roof. They can't. Uh... But ultimately, you know, this uh, this this major corporation nonsense has got to stop. You realize General Motors is owned by China? No, I didn't. China owns General Motors. China owns Burger King. Of course, I don't eat that garbage, so you do, but I don't. But yeah, China owns it. And uh, the, the communists out of Hong Kong, they own Smithville out of Virginia. Hams. Mm. You aware of that? No. Nah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. China owns a whole slew of things. And what China doesn't own in America, corporate-wise, Canada owns, or Sweden owns, or Italy owns, John. Man. Americans have, uh, this generation, four generations before your generation, are a bunch of slugs. I believe that would be your generation, if I'm not mistaken. No, 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 four generations. No, no, that was way before I was the thought, see. So this has been generated. uh, You probably need to interview who's the dude that brags about having all the money. Mm. You know, he was uh, Fox News ownership and all that, lives out in Nebraska. Oh, you're talking about Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett, yeah, prime example. I'm exempt. Okay, I'll so, get him on the phone. we got to get out of here. Anything else, sir? Well, y'all just uh, get out, enjoy the sunshine while you can, because uh, my farmer's almanac tells me y'all are in for a long, 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 cold, very, very, very cold winter. All right. Thank you for the phone call, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go double-check that farmer's almanac, make sure that it is saying what you say it says. We're going to wrap this y'all show for a Monday up right after the break. That's how you do it. That's how you can get in touch with us here on the show that shakes the Southland. Wrapping up this y'all show for a Monday. Mark Chestnut singing there. We wish Mark the best. He ended up having to cancel some shows as he's been in some critical condition situation in a hospital, I believe, in East Tennessee is what I was told. Wishing him all the best. Great singer from Beaumont, Texas, Mark Chestnut. On Tuesday's y'all show, you make sure you join us. Jerry Short is going to join us, and he's telling me he's going to be talking about fashion. Woo! Can't wait for that talk. Going forward the rest of the week, we're going to be right here Wednesday with Southern Business Talk. Thursday, Kiefer is going to come on and help us talk about college football. And again, Paul Hare will be on Friday to talk 
Southern Finance. Until we see you on Tuesday, y'all have a great day.